Hey, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am so glad you're joining me on this show. Here on the Bible and Life podcast, we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology for everyday life. And in that spirit, I have released another project, really a second website, called listenerscommentary.com. Listenerscommentary.com. I'll put that in a link down below. But if you haven't had a chance to check that out, what I'm doing on that site is I'm producing essentially commentaries on the New Testament in audio format. And so if you're familiar with what a book commentary is, it teaches you through a book of the Bible chunk by chunk, paragraph by paragraph. Well, that's essentially what I'm doing in audio format. So I'm just teaching through books of the New Testament in audio format. And so I have Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, and James done. And I'm just going to keep working through the New Testament until I have the entire New Testament uh, completed as a commentary. And so if you're interested in just straight Bible teaching through individual individual Bible books, you can check out the listenerscommentary.com. And it's a crowdfunded project, which means it is completely made possible by the generosity of people like you. So thank you to each of you who donate to and support the listeners commentary. I'm super excited about that project and excited to see what God does with it, both stateside and around the world. And speaking of people's generosity, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to all of you who support the entire Bible in Life ministry, this online Bible teaching effort that I have been working on for the last couple of years. Maybe you don't know this, but about 65% of the income that comes in through this ministry comes in simply through the uh, donations and generosity of individuals. So thanks a ton. Thank you to each and every one of you who are part of that team of supporters who make this ministry possible. I couldn't do this without you. Literally, I couldn't do this without you. So thank you for making this possible. And if you want to join the team and you want to support this ministry, you can do so through a World Family Mission. That's sort of the overarching um, nonprofit ministry that I am kind of supported through and by and means all your gifts given through them are tax deductible. And so if you want to join the team, I'll have that link down below and you could jump in and just become a supporter of the Bible and life ministry as well. All right, we have of late on the show been talking about just kind of the general theme of discipleship, being a disciple, making disciples. And really the purpose of that is this is just stuff that I think is central to who we are as God's people in Christ today, that we we are followers of Jesus. That is, we're disciples of his. Well, what does it mean to be a disciple? Now, how do I live as a disciple? Not only that, what does it mean to make disciples? Like, disciples make disciples. That's the mission Jesus gave us. So what does it mean for us to not only live as a disciple, but to make disciples? When we're making disciples, what do we do and how do we make them, right? Like, what does that look like? And we talked about way back on the first uh, episode in this ser series, this collection of podcasts on this theme of discipleship, that that's the one mission Jesus gave us was to make disciples. And in their day and age, they had a very clear, concrete picture of what that meant, what that looked like, and how to go about it. And I'm not so sure we have that same clear, concrete picture. And thus, it's good for us to think about discipleship, making disciples, being a disciple. What does that look like? And that's really the purpose of then this series that we've been working on here in the podcast. And so in today's episode, 
what I want us specifically to think about are this. What, what are the main components of being a disciple? If you, if you had to boil down the, the main components, the main ingredients of being a disciple or of discipleship, what are they? What's left when you boil, strip away all the extra, all the extraneous stuff, maybe all the culturally unique things or all the strategies and resources? What are like the core ingredients, the core components of being a disciple? In our case, being a disciple of Jesus. And so in this episode, I want to highlight those, those components. I actually think there, there are three core components I want to highlight of being a disciple in this episode. Uh, and then I want to zero in on the one component without which none of the others are possible. So it's like the one component you cannot be a disciple without. Okay, that's what we want to do on today's show. And so with that, let's jump in. As I noted, there are uh, there are just a handful of key components to being a disciple. I think there are three main, three main components of being a disciple. Here they are. Being with, becoming like, and doing what Jesus did. So being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. I think those are, when you boil it all down, strip away all the extra stuff, those are the three core components of being a disciple of Jesus. And what we mean by those is obviously being with means doing life together, essentially, like living a with Jesus life, literally being with him as you go about your life, inviting him into your life and doing life with him, being with him. The second one, being like Jesus, means talking about your character, not just not just you know imitating him in your behavior. We actually want your character your, your will, your loves, your desires, the things that are important to you, your in, in, internal furniture of your heart, if you will, to be rearranged so that it's like Jesus. So that on the inside, you love the things Jesus loves. You want the thing Jesus wants. You uh, are arranged in a way that Jesus is arranged, right? Like your, your character is becoming like his increasingly and progressively. Um, so that you then, in the outsides of your life, you do the things he did. That's the third one, doing what Jesus did, both in behavior and in ambition and mission, so that really the purpose of your life lines up with the purpose of Jesus's life, and so that increasingly you're just going to do the things he did. You're going to love the kind of people that he loved. You're going to serve the way he served. You're going to value what he valued and thus do the things that he did. And when I think of these three core components of being a disciple, in some ways I feel like they're they're like kind of progressive, if you will. Like being with, that's like that starts at the beginning and goes on for your entire life as a disciple of Jesus. But becoming like, well, that that takes a little bit of time. And so uh, over the course of time, you become like him, right? And so, and then the longer you walk with him, the more and more and more you become like him. It's progressive and it increases. You become like him. And then at some point as you become like him, you just instinctively, almost as a matter of course, begin to do what he did and the things that are important to him become important to you. And so you just start doing what he did. And the, his mission becomes your mission. Your ambitions are increasingly shaped by his ambitions. And you just do the things that he did. And so I see those things as sort of like overlapping and progressive. 
so that the longer we arrange our life to be disciples of Jesus, the more we become like him and the more we're committed to his mission and do what he did. In fact, in my discipleship coaching program that I have to work with pastors and churches to help them really create a discipleship culture, that's kind of the heart of my discipleship coaching program. If you didn't know I had that, you can check that out on my website. It's a discipleship coaching program where it's a year-long intensive program where I coach pastors and church leaders to create a discipleship culture in their church. And we really think through the whole discipleship pathway and how to intentionally move people down that pathway so that increasingly people are really living as disciples, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, and moving from brand new discipleship to Jesus to deep, mature, rooted discipleship to Jesus where their life is really like his. And so I help churches do that. And we just think through, how do you do that? How do you intentionally help people and create a culture within a church that helps people intentionally live out these three core components of being a disciple. Um, now, you really aren't a disciple with all, without all three of these, right? Like all three of these are the, the, like the, the core components of being a disciple, but one of them is so primary that it's key to the other two, and I'm guessing you can probably guess which one that is. You can't be a disciple without being with Jesus. That is that is where it starts. That is kind of the baseline core component. And the other two, becoming like and doing what Jesus did, are an outgrowth of being with Jesus. And so being with Jesus is the the most important, most central, most core component of being a disciple. You cannot be a disciple without arranging your life to be with Jesus. For example, let me just point out a few texts where this becomes really obvious with the original disciples of Jesus. I'm thinking, for example, of Mark chapter 1. We actually mentioned this passage on last week's episode, but let me read it in details. This is obviously at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just getting his, his ministry going, and he's calling some of his first disciples Notice what happens. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says this. Now, after John, meaning John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee. If you're not familiar with your geography, Galilee is the region to the north of Israel, up around the Sea of Galilee. So you have Jerusalem down south, and then north of that you have Galilee. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, here's Mark's summary of Jesus' preaching of the gospel. This is really instructive. We'll probably talk about this in a later podcast. But notice he's preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so his, his preaching of the gospel boiled down to, God's kingdom is here. It's coming and it's present in the person of Jesus. Repent. Change your life. Believe the gospel. And so believing the gospel means believing that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God and you can be a part of the kingdom of God in Christ. And so repent and believe the gospel. Um, and as he was going along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. So Simon and Andrew. Simon is also known as Peter. We learn that later. So Simon, Peter, and Andrew, their brothers, casting a net into the sea, 
because they're fishermen. And so here's Simon and Andrew fishing because that's their family business. That's what they've done for generations is they're fishermen. That's just who they are. That's just what they do. And Jesus said to them, catch this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's his implicit call. Follow me. Notice that. That implies withness, right? That implies a relationship, being with him. And immediately, verse 18 says, they left their nets and they followed him. Notice that. They left their boat. They left their net. They left their family. They left the family business to be with Jesus and follow him around Galilee, around Judea, for his ministry, to literally physically be with him. Going on a little bit further, verse 19 says, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, so again, two other brothers, who were also fishermen, and they were in their boat mending their nets, fixing whatever broken lines there were in their nets so that they'd be ready for the next fishing endeavor. And immediately Jesus made the same call to them. He said, uh, to them, follow me, and notice they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went away to follow him. That's that's being with. They're leaving behind their boats. They're leaving behind their nets. They're leaving behind their family and their family business and what they've known to literally, physically follow Jesus and to be with him. That is the fundamental component of being a disciple, following him see this again in Mark chapter 8, really the midpoint, the pivot point of the gospel of Mark is Mark 8. The whole uh, first half of the book leads up to this moment in Mark 8, and then the second half of the book flows out of this moment in Mark 8. So it's like the pivot point in Mark's gospel. Jesus has been teaching his large crowds, teaching people, calling them to himself. People have been really becoming aware of his ministry and who he is. And at this point, his core disciples, the 12, maybe a couple others, have literally followed Jesus up north to the region of Caesarea Philippi, outside of Israel, outside of the bounds of kind of the nation of Israel. They're up north, and they are with him. And in that context, Jesus now begins to turn his attention to the 12, to his closest disciples, and help prepare them for what's to come. And part of that means helping him understand that his life isn't going to end the way the cultural expectations for the Messiah were. You know, were. The, the cultural expectations were the Messiah was going to come. He was going to kick out the Romans. There would be a renaissance and revival of Israel as being like this great nation. And they'd become a great kingdom again. And the Messiah would set up his throne in Israel. And Jesus wants to know that's not the way it's going to play out. Things are going to actually go really downhill for you, but that's all part of God's plan. And so he begins to teach them this. Notice what he says, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus says, uh, he began to teach them that the Son of Man, Son of Man is a way of referring to Jesus himself, grows out of Daniel 7, uh, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, some of the Jewish leadership, and be killed. And then after three days, he will rise again. That's the way it's going to play out. That's God's plan. And verse 32, and he was stating the matter plainly. There was no mistaking what he was saying. And Peter, 
took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Think of that. Here's Peter trying to correct Jesus. No, that's just, that can't be it. Why? Because cultural expectations just made us appear like he couldn't conceive of that. No, that's not the way it's going to work out. That's not the plan. That, no, that's not what we signed up for. And Jesus turns his back on Peter, looks at the other disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. You're thinking about things um, in merely human terms, the fleshly way of thinking about things, the mere human ambition. God's got a different plan and a different way of doing things than you. So get behind me, Satan. And then in that moment, with this large crowd around him, Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples. And this is what he said. This is Mark 8, verse 34, says to the crowd, if anyone, if anybody wishes to come after me, in other words, if anyone wants to be my disciple, here's what he needs to do. He must deny himself and take up his cross, because that's where Jesus is going, and follow me. So if anybody wants to be a disciple of Jesus, then there is going to be this being with and follow me. And remember, this was very clear and concrete in their culture. They knew exactly what it meant to be a disciple. They had a very clear, concrete pattern of being a disciple. We talked about that a couple weeks ago with the rabbi-disciple relationship, where the whole point of it was for the disciple to attach themselves with the rabbi, to uh, basically do life with him for a period of time, to learn to be like him, to imitate him, that discipleship always entails imitation. And so they had a very clear, concrete picture. To be a disciple meant to be with the rabbi so that, and follow him around, listen to his teaching, put his teaching into practice, imitate his way of life, become like him. It's very clear, very down to earth, very tangible, very concrete. And so when Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, come after me, he can. He just has to know what he's signing up for. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And in our context for our purposes in this episode, I want to emphasize the follow me, the being with, right? Like that's what Jesus called the first disciples to do there in Mark 1. That's what he's calling every disciple to do here in Mark 8, to be with him, to follow him. In fact, Mark chapter 3 puts this very succinctly. Mark 3 says, verse 13 and 14 says, Jesus went up on a mountain and summoned those whom he, he himself wanted, and they came to him. Notice this, verse 14, and he appointed 12. They're going to be the apostles so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. Did you catch that? He, he's appointing the 12 so that they could be with him. That is the really the central task of being his disciple, being with him. And for those initial three years of being his disciple, it was very clear, very tangible, very physical, very concrete. They went with Jesus wherever he went. They were literally physically with him, and they went where he went. In fact, one author in his book about 
discipleship says this, Jesus spent enormous time with the disciples. Jesus spent time in their homes. He met the disciples at their work, thinking about the fishing business or the uh, tax collector's office. He joined them for dinner. He called them his true family. He sent them out to preach. And he challenged them to do ministry. He connected them to one another in loving relationships. Whenever he preached publicly, then he would take them aside and explain things to them privately. He shared his life with them, and they became like him. That's the words of David Young in his book, King Jesus. That, that was just the nature of the relationship. They were with him. They literally followed him everywhere. Did that end when those three years were over? And that's the question for us. Like, obviously, literally, physically, we're not living in Galilee or Judea in uh, the days of the first century when Jesus was walking on earth in that way. And so did that being with him end when those three years were over? And the really, the answer is no, it didn't. Um, in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, his final instructions to the apostles, right, and to his church about making disciples, giving us that mission, he ends that by saying, and behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I am with you always. Okay, it's changed. The nature of the relationship is different, but Jesus is still alive, risen from the dead, and what he's saying is, even though it's going to change, I am still with you. I am with you always. And I think John chapter 14 gives us a hint on how Jesus is with us. John 14, Jesus speaking, it's the night before his crucifixion, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever, namely the Spirit of truth. And so Jesus is with us by virtue of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a really technical little detail in what Jesus says here that we can miss, and that's the word for another. In Greek, there's two different words for another. There's a word that means another of a different kind, and then there's a word that means an another of the same kind. That's the word we have here. Another helper is another helper like me, another helper of this, as the same kind as me. Um, that Jesus is going to be with us always through his spirit, who now lives with us and in us to guide us and to strengthen us and to encourage us and to help us do the things that Jesus said, to really empower us to do those things. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us that if we walk with the Spirit, we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. In fact, we'll become like Jesus on the inside. We'll have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Our character will become like Jesus. And so has the nature of the relationship changed? Yes. Obviously, physically, Jesus isn't with us in that regard. And yet, uh, being with Jesus through his Spirit, who is now living with us, being with him, is still the fundamental component of being a disciple. If you and I want to live as disciples of Jesus, we need to arrange our life to be with him. We need to welcome him into our life. We need to make adjustments to our life so that we can live a with Jesus life. How do you do that? 
What does that mean? How do you live a with Jesus life? Well, just like any relationship, you have to kind of plan to spend time with that person. You have to be mindful of them throughout your days, right? And so you're going to have to make some uh, some arrangements and some intentional structure in your life to be with Jesus. And then as you go about the ordinary activities of your life, you're going to invite him into those activities and be mindful of him with regard to those things. And so we live a with Jesus life in order to be disciples of Jesus. If anyone wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, they must follow me. And that means being with him. So, how do you live a with Jesus life? Well, that's going to involve things like uh, reading Jesus' instructions and teaching to us in the Bible, uh, both in what he taught in his own teaching in the Gospels and what he taught through his commissioned ambassadors, the apostles, and let them teach us his way and to hear from him and then talk to him about those things. And so we're going to have to plan into our days time to read and pray and talk to Jesus about those things. We're going to have to maybe plan in other times where we just push pause and intentionally reconnect with him in the midst of a busy day, just like we do with other people that are important to us in our life. We're going to have to just structure our day to be with him and so that uh, we are mindful of him as we go about our activities and as we're, uh, we have some mental space, we call to mind Jesus and we talk to him about our day and what's going on in our day. And so we're going to do our life with him. And as we do our life with him, then increasingly we become like him. And then increasingly out of that, we start to do the things that he did. But it all begins by being with him. And so the fundamental component of being a disciple is being with Jesus. So look at your life. Look at your daily schedule. Look at your daily routine. What can you do to arrange your life to be intentionally with Jesus. If you don't do that, you're not really his disciple. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. May you live as a disciple of Jesus this week and every week. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.